responsibilities of life, the ones we try to forget and try to ignore. This is a weight on your shoulder right now, but I'm here to motivate you with this plain and simple truth. I once went three whole years with a check engine light on. My car was fine. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, our latest entry into the MMO interview series. We just wrapped it up. We are going to put it out for you to listen to. Here, I am your co-host, Mike One. This is also Mike. And Mike, we talked to somebody pretty incredible today. Ken Knapsack is the man, bottom line. (laughs) Good way to put it, yeah. This interview flows like one of those planet-hopping Star Wars movies, (laughs) literally. We talked about so many awesome subjects, and I've never talked to a human being who could sum up his life so entertainingly, so fast, and just huge portions of his life so quickly i mean with wisdom yeah with i mean good god man this is super easy, inspirational easy fun to super talk to. authentic everything you see is what you get when you're talking to a guy like ken knapsack uh why did we talk to him we talked to him because he had just finished writing this amazing new star wars book that he is going you is available now for pre-sale at amazon it's called why we love star wars the great moments that built a galaxy far far away by ken knapsack ken you could also catch on youtube his motivations with ken series he's part of the movie trivia schmodown which i've talked about at great length here in previous episodes mm-hmm. part of the schmoes no reviews he's also hosts the inside schmodown video podcast for the schmodown channel as well and we get into all of those of course we also talk about his podcast the knapsack files which is I, i've listened to all of them this week i wasn't familiar with this one it, it, the, the tagline is life the universe and everything that's what it's about which is accurate and it's accurate <laughs> and he has interviews come on jay washington was on one of my favorite interviews what one hell of an interview there of course he's got his focus podcast this is the most focused podcast and it's about a galaxy far far away <laughs> it is the force center podcast about everything star wars i was i've been geeking out all month to this a new discovery for me yet again and of course he's got the afternoons with josh and ken this is his news sports pop culture show. Yeah, it's the one he does with Josh McCuga, who's also part of that Schmodown universe there as well. You can also follow Ken on his various social media prongs. On Twitter, he is at Ken Knapsack, K-E-N-N-A-P-Z-O-K, all one word. You can also find him, Ken Knapsack Page, on Facebook, at Ken Knapsack Page, if you want to type that into the search bar. And he, of course, is just Ken Knapsack on Instagram. Again, that's K-E-N-N-A-P-Z-O-K. Truly one of the more real discussions that we've been a part of and, and, and where we've so far focused on like comedic talents and the young comedians and right. their upbringing. Ken is also very much established in that field and he brings a little more experience than people we usually talk to. And he really just opened up his life uh, and the lessons he's learned along the way with us. And we are very, very appreciative of that. A total renaissance man. I'll mention that later. A renaissance man as an entertainer. And we literally, literally planet hopped and we, we open up with Star Wars. It's just a blast. Yeah, so again, that book is, is why we're talking to him and Ken is promoting it. Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away, available for pre-order now. Go check it out on Amazon. If you are at all interested in Star Wars, you could not be hearing and reading a better source than Ken, who was basically Mr. Star wars as far as the fandom goes this is our interview with him mmo interviews ken knapsack a man of many hats we hope you guys enjoy it and we'll see you on the back end all right mmoers on the line now we have ken knapsack he uh famously of the schmodown the pit boss himself ken welcome to mike mike and oscar how you doing today 
Oh, we're doing schmodown. I better get into my schmodown mode. No, happy to be here. Happy to be here with you both. Uh, Ken, obviously, the big event, the big thing going on in your life and should be everyone else's life, you just finished penning a book, Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Uh, for Mike and myself, I know we can say all we needed to hear was that Ken Knapsack was writing a Star Wars book and we rushed out to Amazon to pre-order it so you at least have two more copies sold than you knew about earlier. We wanted to ask you, though, as a means of getting started, what went into this book? What was your writing process like? Do you have anything that like kind of had like, it just sounds like a daunting undertaking to even get started with? How did you do that? Uh, it, it is daunting and it never stops being daunting. And uh, <laughs> if anyone tells you anything else, they're they're lying, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I always start with this. I'm, I'm one of those folks, one of those creative people that uh, for years has always said to myself, I think I got a book in me, which is a very uh, hubris filled uh, thought to have. Uh, <laughs> not everyone has a book in them, even though they think it. And you have to really roll up your sleeves. Uh, I've done a lot of writing here and there over the years, different forms. Uh, a lot of it, the stuff only I have seen and stuff the world's seen. Um but long story short, uh, in early 2018, my employment uh, status changed, as often happens in my career or our careers out here uh, in Hollywood and everywhere else. Uh, and it was a time for me to refocus on what I really wanted to do. Along the way, I thought uh, about that book thing. Uh, I had a couple ideas, uh, and, and I met with uh, a friend, uh, Alicia Malone, who's penned sure. two books. Backwards and in Heels and the Female Gaze for a, a small publishing company based out of Miami called Mango Publishing. And uh, Chris Stuckman, uh, years ago, uh, old pal Chris, he he wrote a book for them as well. And he actually got Alicia into them, uh, into their uh, radar screens. And uh, so I met with her and and she said, I think you can do it. And uh, a couple different, I, I have a motivations book I want to do with it, my silly, stupid, pointless motivation videos I, I do. I love those. Those are hysterical. Yeah. Those yeah. are, I think only me and 140 people like them, but it's okay. And uh, <laughs> uh, other other things, long story short. Obviously, I'm known for Star Wars. Uh, obviously, I love Star Wars, and that just made sense for me and, and Mango to come together on this deal to write this book. That's how it started. The process, uh, you know, uh, if you got two hours, we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, thanks for being on today. This is also Mike here. I really appreciate it. Uh, we talk about point of view all the time on our on our show, especially when we're reviewing movies, and your title in this book is why we love star wars can, and you pitch it as a shared story of fandom uh can you describe kind of how the book's going to roll out uh and pitch that for us a little bit because this seems like your podcast all rolled into one you know experience in the book yeah uh great question because it wasn't the original title as often as the case uh, it was more of a just a hundred, uh, uh, 100 reasons to love Star Wars type of thing, uh, yeah. where this really, when it came down to like, hey, what am I going to write? Uh, years ago on the Force Center podcast feed, I mean, we've crossed, uh, we've been doing the, that show, that feed for four years. Yeah. Two years ago, after Rogue One, uh, I did an episode of my show Spotlight Star Wars. I did 50, 50 reasons to love Star Wars. And I just chose 50 moments, sounds, Little looks, like tiny things. Um, so I said, well, let me go back to that. And being a lazy person, I said, I've already got 50 chosen. I just have to add 50 more. Uh, I, I think I used 10 of the 50 that I already had picked. So this was pretty much starting from scratch because so much has changed. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot has changed in the fandom. So the reason uh, we and the publishing team decided on that title is I – 
the, this is a, a book about 100 moments in Star Wars that are my favorite. Uh, it's not a ranking. It's not a definitive list. There's no scientific research into it. It's mine. But it's it's our journey, too, as fans. You find that we're, you know, I, I've grown up with, you know, I'm in the 80s generation. So I've, I've shared experiences. I might have been in Arroyo Grande, California, but someone in Wisconsin had the same feeling about Star Wars. So it's shared. Sure. Uh, and sure. then I, I look at those reasons, those moments as the reasons uh, we love Star Wars and why we love it. So it, it, it's that. That's the starting point. Now, you've had the podcast going for four years. Have you kind of internalized a lot of, you know, audience questions and feedback that you've gotten? And are, are any of those in the book? Or it, you mentioned that it's it's very personal to yourself, but uh, shared nonetheless. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, I, a lot of times you just go with your, your heart on certain scenes and moments. I mean, there's big moments, things that you'd expect um, mm -hmm. to be in it. Uh, and then there's moments I think people are going to go, huh. Uh, he didn't choose, uh, you know, this one, but this one's in here. And I have books and comics, new canon stuff. Uh, anyone who's a Legends fan, love you. I, I, I'm not as steeped in the Legends stuff. I didn't read that stuff. So um, right, right. this is all the new modern canon and, and classic stuff, prequels, and all, all that stuff. So anyways, long story short, uh, I just have to go with the faith. But there are times, uh, you know, especially in recent year and a half with Star Wars where mm -hmm. there's a lot of controversial, not just the movies, but moments. You might like The Last Jedi, but you have an issue with a particular scene. And I'm very aware of that. And I, I want to come from the point of being positive, as we do on the Four Center podcast feed. But I also understand that that might be my journey, not necessarily yours. So I don't finger wag as much, but I do. I'm very aware of some of the bigger debates and that hopefully my answers and responses to it are found within the essays. I, I would imagine going with that line of thinking, it's probably not an accident that this book is being published not only uh, with, of course, the, the Star Wars Day, the Star Wars Celebration coming up, but also Episode Nine on the horizon. Is there any looking forward, any kind of predicting or previewing you doing this book, or is it all basically sh strictly based on the first eight episodes and the uh, the prequels there? Yeah, it it is uh, it is definitely looking in the past. I mean, we can talk about going forward a little bit. There's some themes that might emerge, but definitely we had to make a decision. I funny I saw someone tweet. Uh, why didn't you wait till the episode nine? Comes? <laughs> yeah. uh, Twitter's yeah. always the best editor yeah. too, you know. Exactly. It's like I started writing this. Uh, Resistance hadn't come out yet, uh, and I, I try. I didn't. Uh, there's Resistance is mentioned, but not focused on uh, episode nine. Mandalorian. Cassie and Ander. As as I was writing it, they announced the Cassie and Ander series and the Mandalorian stuff. So it's like at some point you just have to say we're going to have more. Plus, as I even joke in the book, that might mean I get to write a second one. <laughs> right. <laughs> things to write. Yeah, so I don't I don't look ahead. We just kind of look back as best we can and and look at things now. Well, we have the Star Wars expert on the show. We have to ask you some forward-thinking questions, if we could, for a moment. Episode 9, do you have a greatest hope, a greatest fear? Do you have any requirements, per se, that you need to see for the end of the Skywalker saga, or are you just ready to take the ride? I'm I'm always ready to just take the ride. I think it's fun to have uh, a speculation. We, as we say in Force Center, speculate responsibly. That that came out because came out uh, 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 because after Force Awakens, without a doubt, without a doubt, how we are in modern fandom. Uh, huge Game of Thrones fan. We love to speculate. We love to predict. Um, after Force Awakens, there was absolutely some questions created, and to uh, to me and a lot of people, uh, Episode Nine answered those questions in a way that satisfied us. It didn't for everyone, which is <laughs> fine. Both are fine, but I did see some 
specific cases of people really holding on to their predictions as as their reality. <laughs> and, sure, it, what, sure. and, and so we started to open up. So I, I really just I, I always say I treat I'm so nerdy. I treat Star Wars as a living history document that is that is changing as it goes. And I when when something happens. I oh Chewie almost ate that pork. That's real life to me, and I don't analyze it yet. I, I don't, you know what I mean. I, I I just treat it as part of the continuing story. Uh, therefore, I find I'm less disappointed than maybe than others because I'm not trying to outsmart the story. Uh, or try, and, and again, that's part of the fun. I, I always say that's part of the fun. Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts in episode nine. Uh, I want a big battle. I'd like a I'd like a battle like Return of the King, the the Battle of Minas Tirith. I'd like the Star Wars version of that. Uh, we've gotten big battles in Star Wars, but I want one that goes forty minutes. Uh, <laughs> you want the Royal Rumble of Star Wars? Yeah, World. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I want all that, and and I have thoughts and ideas on Ray and and Kylo Ren and his redemption or not redemption. I I, I have a lot of those thoughts, but. I, I just like to strap in, uh, put my hand in some popcorn, and just kind of go. Yeah, I think that's not enough people, and I know how ardent the, the Star Wars fan base is, especially the hardcore uh, fans, but I, I think you hit on something there where people do get way too attached to what their version of the perfect Episode Eight, Episode Nine, and the ending would be. And so it's kind of interesting to hear one of the, one of the experts on the uh, subject like you feel like you take a step back and just appreciate both sides of it and see where it's going and what it's worth. Uh, talking about the Star Wars movies on the whole, though, and the distribution plan, do, do you want a star? Are you one of those that were kind of upset with how Disney t treated the property right away and getting out kind of a movie every year? Do you think it should be handled more carefully and spread out more? Or do, I know you, you have gone on the record saying you're a fan of Solo, a Star Wars story. Obviously, that didn't do probably what Disney expected it to in box office. How do you think the movie side of that brand should be treated going forward? I, I wouldn't mind a break now after nine, and I think you're going to get one. Uh, I mm. do not a, a movie in theaters in 2020, maybe even 2021. Um, I'm okay with it. I love what they've done. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. I was one of the ones that was like, why aren't you releasing Force Awakens in May? That's a Star Wars month. Quickly, <laughs> quickly, December became the Star Wars month. And I do believe, much as I love Solo, I legitimately think Solo is one of the, uh, is a movie George Lucas would have been made. That's his kind of Star Wars. And uh, I loved it, but May absolutely hurt it. And not only that, uh, I always tell the story there. I, I, I spoke to a, a fan who was a, a target manager and they said we couldn't put solo merchandise out because of the Avengers uh, uh, Infinity War merchandise. Oh. Oh. We weren't allowed to put the end caps on the aisles that would have been like solo get right. your solo figures. We couldn't. We had until a certain date. Almost two weeks, three weeks before the movie, I'm paraphrasing, so if someone takes it as fact, I, I'm not saying it's fact, um, but two or three weeks before the movie, then we could start putting the solo standees up and the big things that say, hey, there's a Star Wars movie coming out. Now, to you, to, yeah, to, to you two and me, we were very aware, right? We knew Solo was coming out. There are fans we forget when we're outside the movie bubble who uh, weren't 100% sure what was happening. They just weren't. You know, I know people I sat in a theater next to someone in Rogue One who turned to me because there was a picture on the screen. It was a it was a press screening, a press screening. You're mm -hmm. in the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And they turned to me and they went, is this the sequel to the one with the, the Daisy Ridley girl? Oh, no. Is, is, and they pointed at Felicity <laughs> Jones and they're like, that's her. Right. Now, that speaks to, hey, you're hiring British brunettes a lot. OK, but <laughs> uh, she didn't know. She didn't know. My father at the end of Force Awakens called me and goes, I liked it. I think they're leaving it open for a sequel. 
(laughs) Well, he's not wrong. (laughs) Not not wrong. But so I I think they do need to be conscious of how they do it. And and Disney, you know, has a lot of uh, has a lot of the movie real estate right now. Um, To say the least. Yes. Yeah. To say the least. They got to be careful about marketing against themselves. And that's a that's really a fascinating you know, to take it from the the product and the toy point of view. It's not something I had, I'd really given thought to. That's really uh, interesting that you bring that up there. Uh, speaking, so you say you expect a delay after episode nine. Do you think the next one coming out will be something Ryan Johnson trilogy related? Do you think that's something that we're going to head towards next? Do you have any expectations for what's next after episode nine when they do get back to making yeah. films and distributing them? I, I think it's going to be Dan and Dave's uh, Benioff and Weiss. I think it's going to be their series next. I, I know um, it's so weird in this in this business. I, I you know when I say I know that doesn't mean uh, you know I have uh, Kathleen Kennedy on the line. <laughs> Take it all as gospel. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't believe anything until it's in the <laughs> in in the theaters, and don't believe anything until StarWars.com or Star Wars Twitter tweets it out. You know what I mean? Like, right. But that said, I work in this business. I've been in this business uh, in various forms for 20 years. There's people I know who are now development people at Lucasfilm, but I knew them year, years ago working on YouTube videos. And da, 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 da. So trust me, I've heard some stuff. Uh, Ryan Johnson, still working on that. That's still going on, but there's no rush for it, which is what I would want as a fan. Um, there is no rush for Dan and Dave. They had to finish season eight of Game of Thrones. You know, there's, yeah. They're working on that. And I don't think it's rushed, but so I, I'm okay. I don't think it was the original plan. I think they were going to do a movie year, maybe even two a year. Uh, but I do think, I do think that Solo gave them enough of a black eye um, financially and and just the, the Lord Miller debacle, everything that I think it's smart. Plus the streaming that wasn't, I don't. That might have been a sprinkle of an idea, but in 2015 or 2012 when they bought Lucasfilm, um, but now that that is Iger's, he's putting his legacy on making Disney Plus yeah. the king of yeah. streaming mm-hmm. wars. Um, I think they have more ability to go. Let's. We don't have to rush any movies. We got. We got the Mandalorian, Casting Andor, and perhaps more. Speaking of the streaming wars, uh, they've been. On front on the front page news of all the trades, you know, basically arguing with the academy, uh, with Netflix there, uh, to get into our brand for a hot minute here. How do you weigh the importance of Oscar rec- recognition for these Star Wars movies? Is this something that has always been like a chip on the the shoulder of the fandom? Do you think? Do you think it matters at all? Well, what's the demand that Episode Nine gets that's re- recognized, or a future episode wins a Best Picture? Is that your dream in any way, or would it be nice? How do you view uh, that? Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, as my old as my friend would say, it's better than a kick in the crotch, right? So <laughs> uh, with that, that winning. Yeah, that kind of uh, you know, other other than the special effects stuff that they're always either up for or win along sure. the way. I as a fan, I'm I'm speaking for myself here. I've never cared about the Academy Awards. I've never cared, and that's that's from a person who was in film school in the '90s, watched mm-hmm. every movie released, and and went to you know Oscar pool parties and all that stuff. Uh, I don't mean that. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean as a Star Wars fan, it doesn't matter to me. Um, as a Lord of the Rings fan, it 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 didn't even matter because Return of the King was them going, "Oops, sorry, it should have been two towers." Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I agree with that, by the way. Yeah, the Academy is ne- until it drastically changes. Black Panther was uh, one of the first ones through there. Uh, until it drastically changes, that's not the validation we need. It's wh- how do- how does it affect me? How does it inspire me? How does it change me? And how does it just you know right. entertain me? Right. Is, is the measuring stick for me? 
I, I think, I feel like the Star Wars community and Star Wars Twitter feels similar, and until the Academy kind of gets its shit together, for lack of a better term, as they seem to be on their way towards, uh, hopefully one day they will be, but I, I feel like that's kind of a shared experience and a shared knowledge. Getting more into you and your upbringing and how you got to, to where you are today, uh, was Star Wars kind of like the early, uh, uh, the love for young Ken Knapsack? Were there any other movies that left an indelible impression on you as a young child that may turned you into a cinephile? that you are uh well peewee's big adventure got me into comedy oh yeah uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah uh, star wars is always uh the big thing and i didn't like i didn't gravitate to uh superheroes so a lot of people ask hey what do you think about avengers I, it's it's great it, i'm glad you love it i i see them all i've seen every mc movie generally i think it's about five or six i've missed and i and i'm highly entertained not my thing. Um, DC movies, I not my thing. I just, as a kid, was gravitated to Star Wars, and then like a lot in my generation, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Robotech, uh, gar- uh, Garbage Pail Kids, and then, you know, late 80s, it was uh, sports and how to uh, fail at talking with women for me. So uh, <laughs> Star Wars was always there. Despite some dark eras, the late 80s, early 90s, until the Zahn novels got popular, it was, you know, Star Wars was something you kind of... Didn't find as many fans, believe it or not, though it was still powerful as a as a force there, uh, pun intended. But um, so yeah, that Star Wars was one of my earliest. Uh, Eighty three was when I uh, saw Jedi, uh, and, and, and the build up for it was just something like I I, I wanted and I, I wanted to see it, you know. That's awesome, uh, Ken. You're like the Renaissance man of us nerds. I mean, you've had past lives in baseball, like you just mentioned, obviously in comedy, and you know you've been a working stiff like us. Uh, yeah, we could do a full series of shows on on any one of these past lives, and but, we'd love to. By the way, by the way, <laughs> but you know, can you credit one more than the other? Does does each discipline help you where you with where you are now? I mean, uh, can you give us kind of a bit of an origin story for a hot minute here? Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew that answer, and at, at times it seems nothing helps the other one, but it it does. It does. It's it's the connections along the way. Uh, people I'm working with now, you know, you mentioned the schmoes. So that's like, you know, Christian and Mark Ellis, uh, Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis. I mean, I, you know, I met them doing stand up comedy in 2003. There's no way at that moment I would have thought by 2019 we'd be going on a tour with a movie trivia game. Again, there's <laughs> just, you, you don't think. Right. Um, so my, my career path has, you know, gone all over the, the map, which isn't always a good thing. Uh, I, I started in radio. That's my first professional gig in the 90s. And, and I got bored of that when I shouldn't have because I'm young and stupid. And I, you know, moved to L.A. to do sketch comedy. And that didn't work out. I did stand-up comedy, which I secretly hated and secretly loved. And that didn't work. And along the way, I got into pro wrestling and all these kind of weird things. And, and then podcasting is, comes about. And then I turned my nose up to it. Cause I was like, I was a, I was a DJ. I, I, I had a morning show. I don't, I don't do podcasting in my living room. And now as I'm talking to you, I'm in my living room with a full studio. So <laughs> I, I wish I, I wasn't as stubborn. Um, so I don't know It all. It all kind of feeds into thankfully this era of content creation, uh, where you can be independent. Uh, it's hard. It's very hard, uh, but you can do it. And what I do now wouldn't have been possible even five years ago. You know? You are certainly, I mean, to allow me to, to say it, you're a master at it, and you are one of the more listenable people that I have come across, and that's why we're dying to have you on here. Uh, I was actually... 
I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you should be thanking us. His yes, face of course. Is That's so absolutely red, how it should be. Yeah. No, I, honestly, I, it's been an honor to get you even in the door here. But I was listening to the Knapsack Files earlier today, and mm-hmm. you were talking about like literally milk chocolate and like shoes. And I looked up, and twenty minutes had gone by. Do you have any, like, is there any one area that you credit? Is there any experience or life lesson somewhere along the way that you think has most helped you become this unbelievably listenable voice in podcasting and and kind of uh, on-demand radio? And I guess what I'm asking overall is, how can we become like you and be good at this? (laughs) Well, I think the first thing is don't try to figure it out. Um, (laughs) Probably People seem to like what I do. If I stop and believe that for one second, I fear I'll lose it. Uh, but two, uh, you know, I'll say it started early. Um, my dad, who is a very shy, quiet, uh, funny, secretly funny, but shy, uh, stoic person, um, is an artist. He was a 2D, uh, you know, he could draw like like no one else. And But he didn't pursue it as much. He got married, had a family, and this was, you know, early, early 70s. That we, that's what you did. You, you put aside your dreams and, and got an engineering job, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, when I was I was born in uh, 76 and uh, by 79, uh, my dad had a reel to reel and a little microphone and we'd sit down and, and talk into it and he'd record <laughs> uh, stories and we would do improv stories. So you want to know where my love of improv and sketch comedy and what drove me to the groundlings and you what drove me to microphones, what drove me to data bank brawl where me and Joseph Scrimshaw sit there and make up Star Wars battles it started when I was three, and I I don't know. I just took to it. I used to record on a boombox a little interview show. I'd interview my sister. Um, <laughs> then as I got older, I'd with a boombox and a clock radio because I upgraded. Um, <laughs> that was the road Procaster of my day uh, and, and my Zoom. Um, I record our radio shows to cassette with music interludes. I used to do voices. I had a producer character. I have to had a cardboard tube, and I'd be like, "Oh, we got we got to go to break." And so I had you host- had your own hour long like variety yeah. show as a at that young an age, young age like we're talking seventh, <laughs> seventh, amazing. sixth, seventh, eighth grade. That no one would hear them. I'd have these cassette tapes. I don't even sure. know where they are. I wish to God I had them. I don't know where they are. <laughs> um, and it just that so that's where the love came. And as much as I tried to escape it, as much as I thought I was going to be a film director, I wanted to be that. I wanted to play baseball for the New York Yankees. Then a, the first time a curveball came at me, I realized that wasn't happening. Uh, <laughs> And I went to film school, started to study film and uh, film production and screenwriting. And I have have written and, and love screenwriting and everything. But the, I realized, oh, directing directing isn't just standing around pointing into uh, the wind with an actor for a behind the scenes photo. Uh, it's 20 hour days and, and, and a technical side that I didn't have an affinity for. So I had to change. Mm-hmm. And that's when radio I was I was doing a, a local UHF TV station doing the ground, the crew. Uh, I was the floor director, and then I started hosting a show at 18, a live show every Thursday. And then I met the two morning show DJs in my hometown at Pismo Beach, John Mackey and Freddie B from KBR 95. And they said, hey, you want to come intern? And then I got into radio. Uh, and when co- I, I did two years of community college, don't do this, kids. And I stopped, <laughs> I stopped going. I, did, I just didn't pursue education after that. I was like, I, I found what I love. And then I got bored of it, which was stupid, like I said. So that that's that's how it came about. I don't know if you can teach that, but I will say this. If, if you let me monologue, I apologize. Oh, please. No, please. This is amazing. <laughs> by, this is gold. By the, way, by the way, that's also one of the bad things. Don't do that as a broadcaster. Shut <laughs> up every now and then and let other people talk. <laughs> <laughs> but since I have, uh, have the moment, I will say this. Uh, 
I am playing a character even right now. I'm not fake. I'm not. I'm honest. In fact, probably more honest than other people. But I guarantee you, every time a mic is turned on, it is a performance. And one of my pet peeves with a lot of shows and this era of YouTube hosts, and I'm not talking bad about YouTube or digital media. It's given me my life. Um, but there is something to be said for knowing how to be an entertainer, how to be a host and a broadcaster that is different. There's a reason David Letterman called himself a broadcaster, not a comedian and a late night host. Right. He was a broadcaster. It is a form of entertainment, and I never treat any interview clip anything any other than that way and i see a lot of podcasters uh particularly and this, and look sometimes it's the appeal you're hanging out with me and and that's fine that's you 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 want it to seem like that but i never approach it any other way it is a it is no different than getting on a stand-up stage uh getting in a pro wrestling ring or getting on an improv stage it is a performance and i want to give you a show well you're i mean you've are more than adept at doing that all the time. But I guess uh, as a means of a follow-up, you said you, you wanted to grow up being a Yankees player, a New York Yankee. Uh, what position were you, first of all? Uh, I played all, all around Little League, and it wasn't great, but catcher was my position. I loved Oh, I loved... how are those knees right now? Not good, You know, huh? luckily, luckily I was so bad, uh, I only played for a couple years, and uh, uh, the knees just hurt because I'm old. <laughs> Uh, were you? Are you originally from the New York area? I, I think you, you said you were from Florida originally, right? No, no, neither. I'm from California. Uh, oh, you're born and raised Cal. I thought you moved out to California. No, no, born and raised. Uh, I was born in the city of Orange, but about six or seven, we moved up to a place up north called Pismo Beach. Uh, I actually own a town called Royal Grande, San Luis Obispo County, uh, about three hours north of uh, L.A. I'm California born and bred. I became a Yankees yeah, fan. Yeah, that's my question. Got to yeah, got to ask. It about about 83, 84, I was on a school lunch league softball team called the Yankees. Uh, and I just started, oh, they seem, I'll, I'll get some of their baseball cards. Who's Don Mating Elite? Um, and then I, then I suddenly realized I'd picked the most successful team in the history of maybe sports. Yeah, that's a decent pick. Yeah, at the time, not so much. No, not in the uh, '80s. Those were the dull, well. Mike and I are both also Yankees fans here on the East Coast. We're, we're, God bless we're, you. Yeah, we're, well, it's been dark times lately for us too, well, as you know. It has, it has. But also remember when we suffered through, you know, Maddenly hurts his back, and Kevin Moss was our savior in yeah. 1990 and '91, and these were these horrible seasons. So by the time they won in '96, we all earned it. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're sad, but no, I'm a dedicated New York Yankee fan. And then in football, I don't, I don't watch NFL as much anymore, but, but, uh, um, I actually don't watch a ton of sports as much anymore as I used to for no reason other than just life gets busy. Um, I'm a Miami dolphin fan and that only came, came about because in 84 they go to the Super Bowl, and everyone in my school is a 49er fan. And I just kind of was like, well, I'm going to root for the team in the, in the blue, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a Dan Marino card and an 80, a pack of 85 tops football. I was like, oh, that that guy's on the team I'm choosing. And that started a lifelong uh, a relationship with a painful team to watch. Um, but that's how I came came to those decisions. That's amazing. That's really is amazing. I always do love hearing how people get the affiliated with their favorite teams. Uh, but the reason I brought up the New York thing in the first place is that you have this. Are you familiar with Mike Francesa at all? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean this completely as a compliment but yeah, you do we, have this we ask questions like him too it's like a preamble of like four minutes before you get the question also i love diet coke and i weigh 400 pounds but uh, uh, i do too you're good. <laughs> you have this this attribute this aura about you this charisma where you can just have this like long monologue whether you're asking the questions or whether you're answering them or like in the knapsack file the episode that i'm referring to or on youtube you just can 
amble on and it's so captivating <laughs> and to hear that you were like that from such a young age that really does make a lot of sense but i guess on the, the end side of that you brought up multiple times how you were involved in pro wrestling as well and obviously pro wrestling lends itself not only to the schmo down but being comfortable with a microphone as well did your time as a pro wrestler did that help you forge your microphone skills yeah, absolutely. Well, it taught me, it taught me, I'll tell you what it taught me. Uh, I was a manager mostly. Uh, I, I have wrestled a couple matches. Uh, um, uh, one of my, the proudest achievements in my life is one of my, uh, pretty much my only official match, uh, it was listed in pro wrestling illustrated, uh, and, uh, got to work with Roddy Piper a little bit earlier too. Um, yeah, long, uh, um, it taught me failure. Um, when I first started. So in 2001, long story short, one of my, he's, Still my best friend. We worked together. This guy named Paul, he, he was this 20, 21-year-old crazy Italian kid. And he was like, oh, we found out we're wrestling fans. He's like, oh, but also I own a wrestling company. And I'm like, what are you, like one of the independents? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's here in, in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it, so uh, it was called Millennium Pro Wrestling. Uh, the first main event was supposed to be a little guy named John Cena versus Frankie Kazarian. Never heard of him. Uh, you know him. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Cena, I think, was going to be paid 25 bucks. He was called the prototype. Yep. And uh, the company he worked for, uh, run by a guy named Rick Bassman, uh, said, hey, you can't do it. Uh, we have a deal with WWF. Um, so we had to pull him. And then the main event became Frankie Kazarian versus Chris Daniels versus Adam Pierce. Decent, decent fill-in. Yeah. Um, that's the first time Daniels and Kazarian were in a ring together as, a, as a working against each other. Oh, my goodness. That's and cool. now look what they got with the, their long careers as tag sure. partners. Then. Yeah. Uh, Scorpio Sky worked for us back in the day. Spanky, Samoa Joe, uh, one of the most intimidated guys I've ever been around, um, but a nice guy. Uh, a lot of a lot of Super Dragon, Low Key, all those people wrestled for MPW in 2002. Uh, there's a company called Pro Wrestling Gorilla out here in L.A. A lot yep. of people have yep. heard of them. They, Disco Machine, Excalibur, uh, uh, all uh, uh, all of them wrestled for us. And when we, Paul ended up becoming a police officer and he shut and he got married and he was like, well, the responsible thing to do is probably to shut this business down because, you know, I can't have you know, this kind of fun um they the six guys joey ryan scott loss they all wrestled for us too uh they didn't know what to do so they started their own company and they actually at one point the legend goes we're gonna call it mpw2 or 2.0 and they ended up settling on pro wrestling gorilla so all that to say i started in that environment in that locker room and i grew up a big fan of the wrestling wrestling in the 80s and 90s and it never really went away and I thought, oh, I'm a manager. I know what I'm going to do. So my first match, I managed a guy named Phenomenal Phil Lander against uh, uh, XTC and a guy called Prodigy, uh, local guys with a three-way match. And I go out and I'm going to – I got this promo. I got it down. I got memory. I practiced it in my, in my bedroom, in my car, on the way here. This is going to be the best. I know what I'm doing. I Bobby Heenan and J.J. Dillon and Paul <laughs> Ellering. Those are my managers. And I got in the ring and I started going to my speech and the crowd was like, get the F out. And it wasn't in the good way. It was what they call in the business go away heat. And, that old X-Pac heat. Yeah. And I, it, it was like, oh, I have failed. <laughs> and – you know, I've had a lot of success in, in high school, in my radio career, and, I, you know, the school plays, everyone loved me. And here was the first time a crowd absolutely said, we do not like anything about you, anything you're doing, go away. And uh, in the first few minutes of the match, I got kicked in the face, about an inch cut uh, opened up on my face, and blood's pouring out, uh, and very real. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Okay, this is something different. Um, and I had to kind of relearn. And then we went away, 
And I thought that was it. It was done in the 2010. It's a whole other story. And there's actually a documentary supposed to come out of it. Um, huh. We came back. Uh, our first show was a charity show with Roddy Piper in the in the main event, kind of in our uh, in the corner of my friend Paul, and I was managing uh, his opponent. And we were just going to do a one-time thing, and that turned into a four-year run, um, which saw people like Akira Tozawa, uh, Davey Richards, uh, uh, Ryan Taylor, uh, a lot of the the guys now uh, you're seeing working come through. Not as much. And then by the end of it, because of finances, we turned into more of a student uh, school type of environment and show. Sure. Uh, um, it was great. It was great. Uh, uh, Ryan Katz, who was wrestled as GQ, GQ Money, is now a producer at NXT. He, I think his last match was with us. He worked with us often. We actually wrestled at his facility. Kathy Kelly, who is a friend uh, you know, from the AfterBuzz days, the first wrestling show she ever attended was Millennium Pro Wrestling. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kat's brought over there, and, uh, and I, I actually have video footage. I interviewed her for a Schmoes bit about my friend Joe Ruggiero, who was uh, in a match. And I, I, it, it's like an intermission. That's like the, her first ever time at a wrestling show. Um, and now she, here she is, you know, interviewing Triple H on uh, WWE uh, Facebook stuff. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So uh, that's my time in the business, man. And it was fun and, and uh, made some, I'm, you know, still friends with uh, Frankie Kazaria and my friend Papadon out in the East Coast, the Greek god Papadon. Uh, every year I go to an event in uh, in Vegas, Cauliflower Alley Club, which is an alumni association for wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Uh, as people seem to have now just discovered, but it's been a hundred years, wrestling doesn't have health care or a lot of benefits. I think John uh, Oliver is to thank for some of that. Yeah, oh, very much so, and I get it and I appreciate it, but I can't believe people didn't know that. Yeah. But all right. Um, so yeah, this is the alumni associations, and it's. 54th year of helping uh, wrestlers after they have to leave the business. So anyways, that's my wrestling adventure and it's taught me a lot. It is the best form of storytelling ever. And I will say that to anyone, I don't need you to like wrestling or watch it. You just have to understand it is an art form. Well, that's the difference between you and me, Ken. I need people to like it. I'm uh, <laughs> I try to turn my co-host onto it often. I end up bringing a lot of conversations, movie based back yeah, to the look wrestling. I just got, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> were you, uh, if you would yeah. indulge me just for a second further on that, were you a booker at all for the, or were you just yeah, talent? I, I did a lot of booking. I, I ran the locker room, uh, with a friend of mine named Dan Farron, who's been in the business about 40 years and is a comic and an author and a storyteller out here um and it's crazy and it's silly and it's horrible and uh, let me tell you it's not a great business i wouldn't want my i don't have children but if uh, they wanted to watch wrestling different they want to get into wrestling uh let's maybe uh try something different let's uh go a different path it's it's a it's it's a weird brutal world uh and and a lot of weird old codes and a lot of things and thankfully a lot has changed a lot of change and i have a foot in it you know what i mean i sure i know friends who are in there knee deep neck deep and and uh, it's an interesting world, but, uh, but it is story. It's the best storytelling. I'll tell you, talk about talk. All, my friend, Paul, we still, he's a big game of Thrones, star Wars fan. Me and him will have, we'll watch an episode of game of Thrones and he'll call me afterwards. And we're not even joking or trying. We have a conversation like, uh, just see what they're doing. They're putting Joffrey over in the main event. We're going to get an intercontinental title run with, uh, Tom and, 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 and we have an entire conversation in wrestling, uh, parlance. It, it's just how we talk about it. It all comes back to wrestling. I knew you were part of it. I didn't realize you were so seeped in, in, in the managerial and the administrative end of it. That's fascinating. I've always, I, I could pick your brain for days about that. I'll, um, I'll tell you this. Wrestlers are the worst. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it seems to be what I hear a lot from people I do meet in the industry. Um, I guess to, to transition into your schmodown days from your pro wrestling, it, 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 along the lines of what you do pro wrestling, when you do 
run promos and you have to kind of gain heat from the audience or put someone over, you, you tend to step on toes somewhat. Is that, when you do that in the schmodown, is there ever like a time where you think thought you may have gone too far? Did you ever have to buy someone a drink afterwards as an apology? Did you ever have to walk a promo back at any point since you're not dealing with professional wrestlers in this case? Uh, no, no, but you have to be aware of that. Uh, my favorite person to work with there is Jay Washington because he's been a worker and, uh, has suffered more in, in ring injuries than I would, though I've suffered a few myself. So, um, Jay, I have a lot of respect for Jay Washington, uh, cause there's other people who understand wrestling and Christian wrote for the WWE, he gets sure, it, but I mean, sure. to be in a ring is different. Uh, to take a bump is different, and so Jay and I just know uh, he's my favorite person to probably work with uh, in that regard. But yes, I, I've never I don't I think people understand what I'm trying to do. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming your audience might know enough of the movie trivia showdown. Maybe they don't. It's a competitive movie trivia league where the trivia action is 100% real, but characters are formed around these real life online personalities and, and movie industry people. So it comes off as pro wrestling. We have promos. We have, uh, you know, feuds and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was I, I was part of a team called Nerds Watch with Rachel Cushing, who's now one of the biggest stars in the league. And uh, we knew um, uh, down the line, long story short, I pitched a story to Christian uh, that would cause us to break up and me to turn heel. Um, so you're still booking. Still booking. Uh, not as much. Christian, a lot of it, it, it is all from his uh, mad genius mind. I'll, I'll give him full credit there. But I had done that, um, and um, he loved it. And... I, I would say I, I don't want to speak for her, but I think Rachel was slightly affected, um, even though she knows what's going on. It's a storyline. So the day that it happened and the day I'm cutting my promo and this is about me now and everything, <laughs> I, I think she was sad. I think she was affected. And then to see the fans kind of, you know, flock to her, but also and I just remember kind of saying, like, I was excited. I was like, oh, Rachel, this is going to turn you into a big star. Like sure, People are just sure. going to feel so, so they're going to love you now. I and mean, they already do, but they're going to love you more. And I know she got it. Rachel's one of the most intelligent people I know. But I think on the day, I think she was a little affected. So, yeah, there is some things. There's some people who just are there to compete and they're not as good or not interested in the smack talking and the promos and all that kind of stuff. So I've never I, I've never felt maybe you shouldn't. You're making me feel nervous here, Mike. Maybe I should <laughs> go around and see whose feelings I've heard. But it is it is very much a show to me. And, and some people, I mean, Roka, when you see him get mad, he is mad. I, it, not, looks, it looks, I mean, to, to, yeah, not to, I've never been in the business, but the only way I can compel it, compare it to it, it looks like a shoe. You know, it looks like it's all legitimate and real. I yeah. am 100% telling the truth. There's been three or four times where I thought we were going to have fist fights between some people. It, wow. gets, it, get, it gets really intense. I'm not saying I won't name names. Uh, there's been incidents. And sometimes if you're watching something, you're like, that was a weird cut. It's because there's <laughs> 10 minutes of us having to separate people from screaming at each oh. other. Well, uh, um, doesn't happen all the time, to be clear. Uh, but but that is the realistic sport aspect of this. That, um, that's fascinating. And sometimes the some people don't buy into the the the, the storylines and the gimmick as much. And so when they lose and the other person's gloating in character, it can affect them. So we have have those incidents. I, I am a little less involved in that sense. I just kind of come in, growl, do my thing, and, and go to craft services for some chicken. <laughs> well, I, I'm dying to ask because you talked about the performance aspect of it all and just in general with your the way you approach it. Uh, so there's the performance aspect of the promos, but then there's – 
Then there's this movie trivia game that's as heated as it gets and built up. So do you have any rituals in terms of your preparations? How do you get ready to this thing, for this thing? And it's really like left brain, right brain. It's it, It's got to be a, a mess to get ready for. Uh, it, you know, it is uh, – I mean I don't actively compete anymore, so it's different. As a manager – there, look, there's like Emma Fife and Jay Washington, and I would I would give them more credit for being actual managers. Mm-hmm. Emma Fife would take the the um, buzzers and go to Clark and Rachel's, uh, you know, go to Rachel's house, and they'd meet up and they'd practice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Kalinowski has a binder with 400 pages of notes. Uh, Jay Washington is a, is a counselor and a supportive uh, manager for for Janine uh, Bryce, Janine the Machine. Um, I, uh, I'm like, uh, we're working together today. Cool. All right. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little more, again, I can get grumpy. Um, but when I was a competitor and for the Schmodown star Wars stuff, uh, like saying going into star Wars celebration. Yeah. You just, you watch, you study, you, um, take notes, you memorize, and then none of it matters once the game starts. <laughs> <laughs> it's what, it's what you know. Well, I guess uh, going on more Schmodown, going down the Schmodown road more, uh, you versus Sam Witwer on Spectacular, Schmodown Spectacular 2, obviously has to be one of the more memorable fights in Schmodown history, if not the most memorable. Uh, that one aside, is there anything, any one moment, maybe any one promo, any one match, any one behind the scenes occurrence that really sticks out to you that like is indicative or, or emblematic of your time there, how much fun it seems to be, or maybe how much work goes into it even? <laughs> I mean, a ton of work goes into it. Uh, don't don't get any of us wrong. It is it is exhaustive at times. Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, you know, for me as a, as someone who uh, someone who knows how much it means to Christian um, and and Mark, but don't it's Christian's pride and passion and soul that you're seeing out there. There's those moments where I remember us as the producer. I was the producer of the Schmoes No Podcast, and was like, ah, tonight we're gonna do a little trivia thing between JTI and Copster and. Uh, uh, I was like, oh, okay, and that was the first time, and that got Christian and Mark talking, and then I was in the first official match with Katie Sackhoff, and like, uh, no one told us what to do. I just kind of walked out with my glasses as the pit boss, and you know, I was kind of a that was the first character, and Katie came out dancing, and that started it. I mean, no one from there till now, no one could have guessed it except for Christian. I think it was in his brain early on. So my favorite moments are, are sitting back at the live event at the free for all and 550 people watching us at the Globe Theater. And it looks like people are at a wrestling show. Um, going to Brooklyn and having people just embrace Janine, who was a fan, a spectator. Uh, and a year later, after she's bringing us uh, brownies at an event and wearing a T-shirt she made because she's a fan of John Roca, <laughs> is now having – hundreds of people cheering for her in Brooklyn for a live event because she answers movie trivia questions. Well, it's, 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 it's humbling. Uh, and it's exciting. And I think if people can, if we could just pull more people in and they get it and they could start to get it because we hear, oh, I don't really like wrestling. You don't need to like wrestling. This is, this is as elements of that, but it's, it's something new. It's something different. Uh, people get pulled in people get the reason wrestling so popular, whether people want to watch it or not is you create these storylines, <coughs> excuse me. And you're playing with the crowd. And people get invested. It's emotions. And, and people are invested in these emotions with the Schmodown. I, I completely agree. And it really is a fascinating way to like integrate the pro wrestling angle and the manip- emotional manipulation into something that's so relatable, like a, a bar night or a trivia night. And the, the work you, you can tell, the pride that you all take in what you do. And I just want to give you, Christian, Mark, everyone involved with it, you guys, the product is 
fascinating. And I think every time you put on, you know, every other week, we have MMO Weekly here, which is our weekly variety show. We talk about what's the best thing we see, saw this week. I think I brag about the Schmodown maybe every other week, every three weeks, just because it's <laughs> it's taken over my life. I love it. I absolutely love it. So love it. keep up God the great work there. God bless you. Yeah. No, it's fun. And, it, you know, as far as like individual moments, there's a lot of things. They all roll. I'll be honest with you. all roll into one. I, you know, I've seen every match almost live and in person. And uh, there's moments. A lot of it's just off off camera, you know, seeing people get really emotional, cry because they won, cry because they lost, storm out because they lost um, and just work to some. And and my favorite thing is to watch the Janines and the Rachels of of the world who are behind the scenes people or have never been in the spotlight and suddenly watch them grow and change and have their lives affected by what they're doing. That, that That's really uh, fun to watch. I, I bet and you, you have that booking mentality still in you where you're kind of behind the scenes and maybe not pulling the strings completely, but you certainly are at least uh, putting these people on the right path to, to their own form of superstardom. It's all incredible to watch. Thanks, man. Thanks. And, and I, I, mean, I, I should take 1% of the credit. Uh, Christian should take uh, you know 50% and then the behind the scenes crew, people who are just miracle workers. They're, they're, <laughs> if you saw some of the conditions, uh, and that's not a comment on any of the companies that we've worked with or for, like just, you know, we're digital media. You're pulling strings. You're, put, you're trying to make it work. And it looks looks like a million bucks and it's 10 it's ten bucks, you know. So the, the high behind the scenes people, the editors, and everything—they're the ones who really, really make it. And I'm sure Christian would agree. So, hey, can you take us uh, on set for a second with uh, with the Schmodown? I mean, you, you said it gets heated, but do you guys can you go through the production story of like a, a typical shoot? Maybe how long does it typically take? Does it take? I mean, it's a two-hour show. It's sometimes even way longer um it is uh depends on what area you're talking about early days uh you know i was working at screen junkies when they were shooting at mostly collider that's why i'm not on a lot of the early stuff uh, i couldn't get over there um it was part of there it was every friday we do one to three matches you know that, that, but that's six hours of work um and then you get people there and my, mind you, you we're all in the digital media world we're all freelance generally here and everything so some people have day jobs and it's like you know like uh, it's it's the hardest thing might be wrangling all right we have three matches with that's uh, maybe eight competitors if there's some team matches and spectators um you can't it's hard to wrangle because you know sure. we don't we're not we're not flowing with wwe money uh we got a, they got a, su a successful patreon going but like that's you know that's to keep it afloat if you think christian's on some boat in the cayman islands from it <laughs> almost every cent goes into making this work in our digital media world um so it's it's really hard. So now it's kind of a big day. It's it's a it's a, I'll go in at eight thirty in the morning, uh, start doing inside schmodowns, and then by the end of the day, you know, it could be four, five, six p.m. Um, and we bank a bunch of them. I don't I don't sometimes I don't know if uh, I think the cat's out of the bag. We don't do it live every every Tuesday and Friday. <laughs> but sometimes I don't want I don't want to give too much of the trades that gets away. Uh, Christian would kill me. But like um, a lot of it's there. Like you know uh, last. Two weeks, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the, 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 the before the before the free for all, so time flies already. It's almost a month. I got there at eight thirty. I, I taped f uh, three inside schmodowns. I was in. I called four or five matches. Uh, was in every sketch we filmed. I was in in nine episodes. Um, and much like my voice is going now, my boy, by the end of the day, you're exhausted. So it's a long, long day. It's a lot always fun. Uh, you know, if you're seeing, I mean, it, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's, you know, from someone who had a day job for 17 years that was put me in danger and was hard to do like the, 
this is fun, but like you you go home going, whoo, that was a day. Full day's <laughs> work. So you guys emailing each other all. Week? I mean, how are you preparing for that one massive day of shooting? Is this like you looking ahead like a month in advance, two months in advance to write the shows? Is it is there more improv or you're just mixing yeah, it up? That is all Christian uh, in terms of uh, uh, booking and and. Um, He's so he's so in tune with what's going on. Like when you see us announce, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. I think I don't know if it's out yet. We we just announced a match together and he he gives the intro. Right. He's talking about the stats and, and, and stuff with one of the teams. And I just look over at him. and I'm like, that's all in your head because he's not <laughs> he, he's not reading it off a of paper. And he goes, yeah, you, you memorize 80s baseball players. Uh, this is mine. Um, <laughs> I have some notes. But uh, to be honest, like with me, it's different for every person like the promos. Um, I've never pre pre planned one word. It's just wow. Christian comes wow. and goes, Hey, you know, here's kind of what we're working with. All right, go. That's incredible, uh, Ken. Honestly, yeah. like to have that in you, even you, if it is because something you've been working on from a young age, that is incredible to hear. Here, it's just uh, you got to find your character, find your point of view. Uh, I have a, only a couple rules with uh, promos that I adhere to, try to adhere to, and uh, me and other, you know, I'm certainly not dealing with Jay Washington. I've never seen Jay plan one word. And I've seen some people come in uh, with every word memorized, and that works. Uh, I've seen some people need to, you know, Christian needs to be in their ears saying, all right, and say this, and, and say this, and all of it works. Uh, not a wrong way to do it. Um, Jay and I just, it's, it's the wrestling thing. It's old school. WWE doesn't even do that now. You know, WWE, I think uh, one of my big problems with some of the modern content that's been going back 15 years, and, I, and I'm a fan, don't get me wrong, is here's a here's a little sitcom writer who's never taken a bump in his life, and yeah, he's going to give you your a promo and and roddy piper he didn't do that chris jericho didn't do that that's not how you find yourself as a performer that's a different discussion um we, we you know some people do need the help some people are really need and want christian to be there going please tell me what to say um i christian i almost i almost get annoyed when he's there and he knows it he know he, he sees a look in his eye he just comes in he goes hey here's what i want you to say tom's doing this the corruption is doing this and he's like hey, you got it go 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 say what you want to say um, so we do that. We shoot the promos and then, you know, fortunately we got some, some people that want to come out and watch us and, and it's good to have an audience there and it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's a long day, but it's fun. I, I guess this might be kind of a lab or a stupid question, but is this uh, with your work with your the Star Wars book, the work you do with the Schmodown, you have, you know, your 18 podcasts that you're all hosting on and interviewing on. Is this the most creatively fulfilled you think you have been in your professional career thus far? I'd be good if I felt that, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I am, I am, I, I go to sleep every night, knowing I'll wake up in the morning and everyone will figure out I'm a fraud. Um, uh, every day, every po- podcast I put out, I'm like, oh no, uh, people are gonna hate me. Um, and that's just part of it. That's just part of being a creative person. Uh, but it's a good reminder to hear you say that. I always do this test when life gets bad, and and you know, uh, you know, as at the time of, of this recording, I've, I've you know got this death in my family, and you know, one uh, 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 of my credit cards got cut in half when I got home today. Like they're like, you, you're so broke, we're giving you a lower limit. Uh, you know, uh, all this, all these real things factor in, and I start to focus on that stuff. I, I always pause and go, what would you tell 14 year old Ken? Uh, You've moved to L.A. You performed comedy on the uh, on the stage of the Groundlings. You you have uh, uh, been in a ring with Roddy Piper. He's punched you. Uh, you have uh, 
uh, written a book now on Star Wars. You have every Monday I record uh, Force Center with Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa, two of my favorite Star Wars fans. I'm going to Star Wars Celebration to to meet people who enjoy my silly words about a space franchise. Like, that's a dream. And, and we all, no matter what you're doing, I don't care what you're doing, if you set out to be an accountant at 12 and you are an accountant, at some point you thought, oh, I hate this. Um, and that's where that, that was the mistake I made in radio. I was in it for four years and I got, I looked past it. What does Yoda tell us? You know, keep your mind on where you are, what you're doing. Um, we all can do that. It doesn't matter what you're in. And I think every once in a while we need a reminder or we need to remind ourselves the things around us that are good, uh, and the things around us that are good. So yes, do I feel, I, I have not been this stressed in a long time. The, the, the process of writing the book caused me to have two three breakdowns um i i release content seven days a week now uh going back not counting this not counting the show this is my second show of the day uh not counting this uh thursday through monday we're recording this uh on a wednesday right so thursday through tuesday uh i've recorded 16 shows um plus copy edited my book Plus, secret reveal here, I'm, I'm working on Star Wars questions for the movie trivia Schmodown celebration uh, <laughs> and have to do two YouTube videos. And I'm not saying that like, ha-ha. I'm just saying I sometimes start my day at 8.30 in the morning and I finish at 11 o'clock at night. Well, that was my and, next and, question. There are only 24 hours in your days, right? <laughs> there are. And I say that to, to the people out there, um, the younger ones, because I hear we hear this. I, my, I went to I, – I cone a – uh, you know, I, I play fantasy baseball. My cone, or we we've been in the same league twenty years. We we worked together back in the security days, and he has two twin sons now. I think nine or ten. Big baseball fans and everything. But they discovered. They found out. They found out you're on YouTube. Oh my god! And they're like, <laughs> this one one of them. Uh, he's like, I want to be. A, I want to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, don't. <laughs> but I understand. Like, I, why wouldn't you want to be? Uh, and there is. Some people whose success comes and they, you know, do four ASMR videos a week and, and they're making good money. And but, uh, you know, YouTube's not the way to make money as much as it used to be. Um, pursue it. Pursue it. But know what you're getting into. Uh, we never stop. All of us. And, and we are not digging ditches. We're not in a war zone. Uh, we're all healthy. Don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. Uh, life is worse for a lot of other people. But in terms of profession and professionals and our occupations and our vocation, every one of us you see on a podcast is exhausted <laughs> because uh, we have to keep stop, keep going because when you stop, you lose it. You lose momentum. You lose your gigs uh, and you do it. And it is fun. We have to remind ourselves at the end of the day, it's fun. <laughs> I'm enjoying our conversation. And I don't, you know, let's be honest, you guys, I don't know you from Adam right now, you know, until now, you know, like, I'm like, all right, let me take a shot with these guys. I listened to your stuff. You were professional enough to send it, but I've had some people, Hey, can I, uh, can you come on my podcast and I'll listen to it? And it's like, hi, we're going to, this is a Ken here. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do that. You know, I can't do that. Um, but, uh, we, we never stop, but also we become addicted. And I'll tell you what, as a, the, as a wrestling fan, now I didn't do it. My stuff was weekend warrior stuff, really, when you're talking about it. We worked for a long time, but we put a lot into it. But we're not on the road like WWE guys, uh, especially during the golden era. Um, I look at The Rock, and I've said this before in other places. I look at The Rock, and everyone's like, man, Rock's in 12 movies and TV shows. How does he do it? 
The Rock said he said it to John. I told I told Roca and Christian my theory, and I said, ask him when you interview Ro- The Rock, ask him, and they did. And Roca said, does your work ethic come from? Just yourself, number one, but pro wrestling where you were on the road 300 to 330 days a year. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they never stop. I sometimes joke uh, for non-wrestling fans, they won't get the reference. But sometimes at the end of the day, I'm too tired to work out. And I'm like, hot damn, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are working out at midnight right now. Yep. And they've raised a family and running a company. And uh, if that's in your blood and you want to do that – then pursue this to the utmost degree. Otherwise, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, have some fun to record a show on a Tuesday and, and go to the lake on the weekend. That's great, too. I, sometimes I want to do that. <laughs> um, but I can't stop, won't stop. Ken, uh, this this chat really couldn't come at a better time. That and all, was amazing. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, you know, Mike and I had a pre-production meeting where we're like, we're burnt out. We're doing yeah. all this stuff on, on top of everything else. So whatever is the equivalent to a verbal hug that I can send you <laughs> across the airwaves. I, I give that to you now, and I just thank you for coming on today. Mike's got one more question. We'll be sure. listening to the Knapsack Files. We'll be listening to the sure. Force Center and, and looking forward to the Star Wars Celebration Schmodowns. Thank you, man. Well, I want to say one thing to that, though. I want to say one thing. Don't, don't forget to give yourself the, the room to get exhausted and stressed. Don't yeah. What what the the moment uh, the last hour and a half before we got on the phone here, uh, I was on my couch with my belt off playing MLB the Show, um, <laughs> and feeling guilty about it, but playing it because do not misunderstand me. Uh, every time I'm burnt out, it's real, and you have to acknowledge that. Yeah, and then you'll get past it. So. I always want to say it isn't go, 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 go. We're not on Adderall here uh, running over walls, you know, just like, yes, you have to be a human. Don't be afraid to be that, too. Anyways, lesson over. <laughs> no, that's been awesome. I mean, you we we look up to you, and uh, that that really coached us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, Ken, in all in all seriousness, and, and just personally, and I don't, I, this might get cut, but it, it came at a really good time because we are <laughs> burning the candle at both ends here, and you are someone we nope. definitely both look up to, and that was uh, amazingly. Insp- you could put like part time Yoda on that resume of yours as Yoda. well. Well, uh, you're no, you're welcome, and to, don't cut it. Your 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 fans want to hear that you want to connect this is an era where you are you want to talk about part of that environment too i'm letting people into my heart sometimes it hurts uh yeah but that's that's the reality you're content creators and people enjoy your content they should know what goes into it well again thank you very much for those words of wisdom so to go from it's not easy to transition there's no words of wisdom to to words of ridiculousness but we'll (laughs) try that here uh as you know again just as a means of recap why we love Star Wars, the great moments that built the galaxy far, far away. That's available on paperback. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. You can catch Ken uh, coming up at Star Wars Celebration. You'll be there. That's right, Ken? Uh, yes, I, I'll be there uh, pretty much all the days. I leave Monday, so I miss the events Monday, but I'll be there. Uh, you can catch Ken Star Wars Celebration. You can catch him on YouTube. He's got his own channel. You can catch the Knapsack Files, the afternoon podcast with Ken and Josh. Uh, basically, if you type in Ken Knapsack Podcast, you'll get a menu of about 37 <laughs> different things popping yeah. up. So be sure to do that. Go seek out Ken and the Schmodown, obviously, also available on YouTube and TriviaSD.com. But, Ken, we want to get you out of here. Thank you very much for your time once again. A uh, little tradition here on MMO. The last question we ask everyone, if you could just pitch us, what would Ken Knapsack's version of the worst movie ever made be feel free to be as specific or as general as you'd like with that but what would be the worst movie ever the worst movie ever is is uh i think a lot of the worst movies ever seem to be 
really pompous road movies uh, <laughs> where uh, a performer takes a cast of their friends. And I actually, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Adam Sandler, but I don't, <laughs> I don't blame him. He's got, reached a point where he's like, I'm going to take all my friends. We're going to go to an island and we're going to shoot a stupid movie. And I don't <laughs> care. Uh, but I think those are some of the, the you know, potentially some of the worst movies, not, not specifically his, but just the concept. So I would want like – uh, eight eight friends go on a boating trip, and uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl's one of them. And then, oh, no. Butler, uh, and then a storm hits, and they're all stranded on an island. And what happens when you try to rebuild society with the friends you secretly hate? Oh like, no! <laughs> That's yeah, no, that qualifies. That would be terrible, wonderfully terrible. <laughs> Uh, I saw you go into her hut last night. Do you want to get into her uh, grass skirts or mine? You know, that's what I want. It's basically just like the the ugly truth, but on an island now. It's the ugly truth with Lost. I I want a bad rom-com version of Lord of the Flies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, On the cover, the cover, the movie poster, the one sheet is Catherine Heigl. I'm not going to think it's Catherine Heigl, but uh, Catherine Heigl with her arms crossed, looking, you know, furrowed brow, back up against Gerard Butler, and behind him is just an (laughs) island with flames, a crashing plane, maybe a severed head hanging from a tree, and uh, and just as like, and it's like, you know them heard him just going what <laughs> i actually probably would see that movie right now though. I'm, I think, you're talking a solid 32 percent on the tomato meter right there uh the ken Napsock, that's a treat thank you very very much for giving us your time today thanks for coming on uh, hopefully we can have you back on sometime soon because uh, that was completely inspirational and completely amazing and uh, one of the best of uh, magna- magnanimous personalities out there in the youtube world right now thank you very much ken for your time and good luck with the book uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, why we love Star Wars? Please give it a consider uh, if you're if you're a Star Wars fan. And really, guys, I'm just a dude that loves tacos. That's all I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ken. We'll talk to you soon. Once again, another fantastic interview. Uh, personally, that meant a lot to us, I know. And I hope yes. it was equally as inspirational and as fascinating for you guys to listen to. I really hope we can have Ken back on the show at some point. Again, just to run down his social media, he is at Ken Knapsack, all one word on Twitter, K-E-N-N-A-P-Z-O-K. He is at Ken Knapsack page on Facebook, and he is just Ken Knapsack, K-E-N-N-A-P-Z-O-K on Instagram as well. Go to the Patreon pages for all of his podcasts, of course. You know, rate him on iTunes. He's at the Knapsack Files, which again is the life, the universe, and everything pod, and they live up to that billing. <laughs> you got the Afternoons with Josh and Ken. That's their news, sports, pop culture show. And of course, you have the Force Center podcast. This is about everything Star Wars. I was geeking out to this the last month. Really a big fan. Again, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, everywhere, Podomatic. Uh, go and, and be become their patron on Patreon. You also see Ken Plenty on YouTube as he has his Motivations with Ken video series. He's part of the Movie Trivia Schmodown over at the Schmoes No channel. He's part of Schmoes No Reviews. He also hosts the Inside the Schmodown for the Schmoes No channel as well. And why we spoke to him today, part of his book tour, the all-out assault on the internet that he's doing to yeah. promote Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away by Ken Knapsack. That is available right now for pre-order on Amazon. We will put that link across all our social medias as well. You'll be able to find that. And do, if you have 
any sort of affinity for the Star Wars universe. I promise you, if you do not know who Ken was, you obviously have a better knowing now after hearing that interview, but you will not find a more ardent, passionate, and knowledgeable fan for the Star Wars galaxy than this guy, and he is more than equipped and more than capable of writing this. I can't, my, both Mike and I have pre-ordered it, like we told you, I personally can't wait to get my hands on it. And on the flip side of that, you know, I've mentioned to friends and family on the sly that we're interviewing Ken yeah. Nassock and faces lit up. That's and awesome. So, so if we're, we're preaching to the choir here and, and you're big fans, then, then t- please tell all your friends. We had Nick Ken Knapsack on the show. He, he's been a hero of ours for a while, and we really looked up to him. So this was a big deal for us. And uh, by, by all means, you know, spread the word. Yeah, uh, look, hopefully this interview gave you guys as much as it gave us. It was really uh, heartwarming and truly no better word I can think of to describe it than just authentic. Ken is a guy that really just lays it all like it is, whether you want to hear it or not. Very blunt, very honest, and you don't get enough of that when you're talking to people in Hollywood, quite frankly. He's a trained comedian, too, because we had some long-winded setups. Like I mentioned about Francesa, we got the Francesa question acting (laughs) style. Both of us do. I didn't mean it to be a dig on you at that moment, your poor dear. The headlights look you gave me, my God. But for sure, he had some one-liners after those setups. And I was like almost patting us each other on the back here because the setups are perfect and then boom he whammied it he really is someone very very unique and, and hopefully this book brings him uh, even more well deserved and well earned recognition uh, again if, if the why we love star wars the great moments that built a galaxy far far away by ken knapsack available for pre-order right now on amazon star wars celebration is coming up in a few days over in chicago uh go check that out as well and, and yeah when we finish that book we're going to review it on mmo weekly so if we don't sell you now yeah, on it for we'll sure you later for for sure. And uh, we can't wait. So, guys, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, Ken, thank you once again from the bottom of our hearts for giving us a piece of your time, and we were able to to share that with you, and hopefully we, we bring you a couple more pre-orders and a couple more buys. Uh, Michael, another MMO interview in the can here. We heard Ken's worst movie idea ever, which is up there with any of the other ones we've heard for certain. So, on the heels of all of this, uh, who's going to win WrestleMania this weekend? No, what are our words <laughs> of wisdom? <laughs> His backstory convince me mm. that all these guys that are just high level entertainers they have been doing it since they've been young yeah. and it's it's very affirming to us cuz i had my little radio show <laughs> you know talking about the the the, the video game i was playing right. NBA live 95 mm-hmm. i was announcing that and we had we we joked at the beginning of this podcast that we were you know doing this podcast in our car this was happening anyway <laughs> months before we started so we might as well record it right. so that, that's just so thoroughly inspiring that that he has a similar background to us it's, it's just amazing. So that's wisdom in a sense that, sure. you know, you got to do what you love and we got to do this and he's got to do that. Yeah, he was chock full of it today, no doubt. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, be sure to watch movies with us. Uh, we thank you for giving this episode a listen. Go check out Ken's book on Go Order It, Pre-Order It on Amazon, and we will check you all out next time. See ya. This isn't the right way to go, man. This is the wrong way. They're going to hate you for this. I You're don't, an embarrassment. I You're don't, an embarrassment. I will feed off their hate. This is my time. My time. I don't need any of you. I don't need Rachel. I have new friends now. I have new power. And this, for once in my life, is about me.